as we get into the word now, <laughs> yeah, it always amazes me because I always think about this survey that was done. There was a survey that was done in churches, and they said that I think the second thing that people hate to do in church is greet one another and greet strangers. It's the second thing that people hate the most. They said it's awkward, it's weird. And I always wonder, I said, well, not in our church. You guys seem to really enjoy it, and you guys, I think too much. It gets crazy sometimes. You guys are catching up, and you act like you haven't seen each other in years. I don't know how that works. But I, I think that maybe it just means you love your church, and, you know, amen. All right. Amen. Let's go to Genesis chapter 26, verse 1 through 3. It's three verses. Three verses. Genesis 26, verse 1 through 3, as we're still in the new year. In January, I'd like to preach on Genesis. The Bible says there was a famine. Everyone say that with me. There was a famine. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac and Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. And the Lord appeared to him, as Isaac, the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you. I will bless you. This is a promise of God. He says, I will be with you and I will bless you. For you and your descendants, I give all this land and I will perform the oath which I swore Abraham and your father. And I want to preach on this subject this morning. Sowing in famine. Sowing in famine. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this word. As it's been a blessing into my life to study it, I pray that it be a bigger blessing to those who hear it now. Father, anoint me to preach your word. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to listen as well. Bless this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. You guys can have a seat as we talk about this for a moment. Sowing and famine. You see, it's amazing that Isaac, he's going through a season of famine. A famine was when there was no rain in the land. And just imagine if in that culture, in that time, if you had no rain, you had no crops. If you had no crops, you had no food. If you had no food, you had no provision, no way of making an, a, a living for yourself. So famines were very, very, very serious. They were frightening. It was not a happy time. And God tells Isaac during a famine, remind you, a famine is a dry time. It's a dry season. It's a season of struggle because there are no crops going on around. But the Bible says in verse 3 that the Lord told Isaac, I want to read this again with you. The Bible says to dwell in this land and I will be with you. I will bless you for you are descendants. I will give all this land. So as Isaac is planning to leave and go to Egypt, God pays him a visit. God, through a dream, through a vision, through an audible voice, we're just not sure. But God tells Isaac, dwell here. Stay here. Don't move. Don't do anything. And God says, this land that you're in right now, I'm actually giving it to you as a gift. This land that you're in right now is a blessing that I'm going to give you. And here's a powerful principle that I want to teach this morning. You see, God tells him, this is your land. This is a blessing. But right now, that very land that's a blessing from God, that very land that's a gift from God, is actually going through a season of famine. It's going through a season of struggle. In other words, it's not looking good. 
And here's my point, church. The Bible says that every good thing comes from God. But see, just because every good thing and blessing comes from God, it doesn't always mean that it's always going to be great. It's always going to be easy. Just because something is good from God doesn't mean it's not going to struggle. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have difficulty. Doesn't mean that you're not going to go through a season of famine yourself. You see, a famine is a season of dryness. It's not forever, but it's a season when things are harder than usual. It's a season when things are, are really difficult. And God tells them, I'm blessing you with this land. But that very land that God gave them as a gift, the very land that God gave them as a blessing right now was not flourishing, was not booming, it wasn't great, it was actually dry, it was empty, it was hopeless to the point that Isaac did not want it. He would want it out. And here's what I want you to understand, church. And this is what we need to accept from God. That good, godly blessings and the things that God gives you as a gift will go through seasons of hardship. Will go through seasons of hard times. And I don't just want to say this, I want to just prove it to you in the Word. Because if I say, you might say, I don't know about that, Pastor Dave. But if I show you in the Bible, I dare someone question it. Here's what I'm going to show you. One, Proverbs 18, 22. I don't like this verse. I think it's unfair. But the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. I, I say amen now because I found a wife. I found a very good thing. I like it a lot. But it says, he who finds a wife. says, finds a what? Everyone say it, good. It's a good thing. So when God, listen, men, husbands, listen. When God brings you a wife, it's a good thing. It's a blessing. You say, well, pastor, why does that bother you? Because it doesn't say he who finds a good husband. I think I'm a good husband. But it doesn't say if you find a good husband. You know what God is saying here? Women are fine by themselves. Men need to find a wife. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. God says a wife is a good thing. A wife is, a fa is me showing you men favor. And just because it's good and just because it's God's favor, who here is going to lie in church and say that marriage is always easy? Anyone? Marriage is always, if you, here's the dumbest quote, you find the right one, it's easy. And usually it's newlyweds that say that. You talk to the veterans, ask Ada, Ivan, Dennison, Sharon, my parents, ask any of the older, ask my in-laws, the older crowd, they're going to slap you if you say, if you find the right one, everything goes well, easy. But see, God said it clearly. Marriage is a blessing. A wife is favor. But even though it's a good thing and a blessing and it's favor from God, marriage goes through seasons of famine. Can I get an amen? There's a season of famine in a marriage. It's a blessing, but you go through dry times. What are dry times? You barely have any intimacy. You barely talk to one another. You're busy. You're stressed. You're irritable. She picks on you. You poke at her. You just don't ever poke a bear, but you do it anyway. You see, marriage goes, every marriage goes through famine. Here's another blessing. Psalm 127, 3 through 5. The Bible says that children, everyone say children. Yeah, they're a what? They're a gift. Can we say amen, parents? Some of you are hesitant. Eh, I'm not sure. Children are a gift, like a wife. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from Him. Notice, children are born young, a man, and a man like arrows is a warrior's hand. So God says children are like arrows. If you have a lot of arrows in your quiver, you're going to be well. You're going to be protected. You're in good hands. That's what God says. But how many parents would agree that though children are a blessing and a gift from God, 
You go through seasons of famine. You go through struggle raising those kids. The years of famine usually are the teenage years. And those are the years that they don't want to listen. They don't want to do what you want to do. They think they know better. They make mistakes and they don't want to admit that they're wrong. These are their years that they experiment. They're curious. They want to rebel. They want to hang out with wrong kids. They don't want to go to church sometimes. You got to drag them to church sometimes. They give you attitude. And God said, what a blessing. Here's a gift. Here, I gift you this little demon. Here. But see, children are a blessing. I'm grateful in three months, I'm going to have my own little blessing and my own little gift. But I know myself as a future father, I'm going to go through seasons of famine. Well, they don't want to talk to you. They want to be left alone. So God says marriage is a gift, but it goes through hard times. Children are a gift, but they're going to give you hard times. Ephesians 2.8, the Bible says it clearly. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is a what from God? It's a gift. Come on, let's be honest. All of us, all of us who have a relationship with Jesus, that relationship you have with Jesus is a gift. It's a gift. You You didn't earn it. You did nothing for salvation. Jesus did it all on the cross. But see, if we're honest, we say, Lord, I thank you for the gift of my relationship with you. But every honest believer will tell you, I go through seasons of famine with God. I have seasons that I'm dry spiritually. I have seasons that I struggle. I have seasons I don't pray like I should. I have seasons I don't hear God like I should. I have seasons where I'm more in the flesh than in the spirit. I'm doing things and saying things and living in ways I know it's wrong. But right now, my relationship with God, though it's a gift, it's going through a famine. It's going through a season of hardship. Church, before I move on, do you guys get what I'm saying? Every gift and blessing God gives you doesn't mean it's going to be void of problems. Everything that God gives you is a gift and favor and blessing. Like that land that he was giving Isaac as a gift, but he was giving it to him during famine. See, as we go through these seasons of hardship, there's a temptation that when we go through struggles, when the good things God gives goes through a struggle, goes through a famine, whether it be your marriage, your time with your kids, your relationship with God, or life in general, because I want to just remind you that the Bible says that life and the breath of your lungs, life is a gift from God. Every day is a gift from God. But see, when life and everything else goes through a famine, there's the temptation to give up. There's the temptation to be discouraged. To be afraid. There's also another temptation to believe that this cannot be from God because if it is from God, it would have been good and it would have been easy. If it's a blessing, it has to be easy. But that is not true. But there's a temptation to just give up on it. And there's a greater temptation which the devil is behind. And he gets you to believe that because this is struggling, because you're going through a season of hardship, you're going to be better off if you just walk away. If you just quit. If you just move on. And that's exactly what's happening to Isaac. Isaac is planning to leave and go to Egypt. Why? Well, because the land that God gave him, the gift that was from God, the land that was a blessing, was going through a famine. It was dry. It was empty. It was hard. 
He was discouraged. He was afraid. And Isaac comes up with this idea. Let's go to Egypt. Because Egypt is where the Nile River ran through. And because Egypt had the Nile River, they never went through droughts. They never went through famine. Oftentimes in the scripture, most people went to Egypt during hard times because Egypt was like, it was the place to go during crisis. But Egypt was where you went to survive. But God, even though Isaac is making these plans, he says, you know what? I think I'm out of here. I think I'm going to quit. This is not going my way. This is not a blessing. This is not easy. Let's just go to Egypt. It's easier there. Everyone else is going. Everyone else is doing it. And he's making his plans. But here's what you have to understand about God. God says a man makes plans in his heart, but God determines the outcome, the end, his steps. And ironically, as he's making these plans, and he says, I'm out of here. It's like you say, I quit. I'm going to divorce. I'm going to quit this job. I'm out of this place. And God just says, hey, hey, wait. Calm down. He says, Isaac. And he says, yes, Lord. He says, Isaac, yes. Stay here. Wait, what, God? Stay. I want to bless you right here. Don't go to Egypt. I want to bless you right here. That place you're in right now that's dry, that place right now that's not growing, that place right now that's not producing, that place right now that's hard and you're struggling, that area, that place right now you're in that you want to give up on and quit and walk away from, that's the same place, Isaac, that if you walk away, I cannot bless you. Stay. Don't go to Egypt to survive. God says, stay here because I'm going to bless you and you're going to actually thrive. So here's what God is presenting him. You can go your way. You can make your plans. You cannot trust me. You can do it your way and just survive. Or you can trust me, stay, or you can thrive. What do you want? You want to survive or do you want to thrive? Well, church, I'm asking you now. Do you want to just simply survive in life? Or do you want to thrive? Because I'm guilty of sometimes just thinking, Lord, I just feel like I'm surviving. I'm just trying to make it the next month, make it the next year, make it the next week. I'm just on survival mode. But what if I told you through the scriptures, God is saying here, I did not put you on this earth just to survive. I put you on this earth so you would thrive, so you would grow, so you would be an influence to others, so you would be blessed and be a blessing to other people. But a lot of Christians, if we're honest, We're just on survival mode. You see, when you define the word survive, it's scary to me. Because it means to continue, to remain, or to stay in existence. When I read that, I sat down and said, Lord, I don't want this new year to be a year where I just survive. And many of you are. You're living your life, but you're just continuing on the same thing. Remaining the same way. Just existing. Does that sound like a life God wants for you? I'm just here until I'm not. I don't want my my tombstone to say, here lies Pastor David. He existed. I don't want that. I don't want my kids to look back and say, well, tell me about your dad. Well, he existed. Remained the same. 
But see, when you define the word thrive, it means to grow, to develop, and to prosper. So, so survive means to continue to remain, to exist. And thrive means to grow, develop, and prosper. Church, I hope you're smart enough as I ask you this. What, which one do you think God wants for you? He wants you to thrive. And I, I'm not that type of pastor. I'm not telling you thriving means a Bentley, a mansion, a helicopter, get in the chopper, we're going to church. That's not going to be me. I'm not like that. I want to tell you something. I believe when God says, I want you to thrive, he's talking about spiritually and in every area that he blesses you. If God has blessed you to be a man of business, I believe he wants that business to thrive. If God has blessed me like he did with this church, I believe he wants this church to thrive. If God has blessed you with a wife and a marriage, he doesn't want a, uh, oh, my marriage, how's your marriage? I'm surviving. He doesn't want you to be in a marriage where both couples just exist in the same house, continue to have the same problem and remain the same way. God says, I blessed you with her and I blessed you with him. You may not think about that because you think you're in a famine, but I have blessed you with him so you can thrive in this marriage. I have blessed you to thrive. God does not want us to simply survive. He has put you on this earth to thrive. But it's your choice. God says, Isaac, are you going to trust me? Or go on your way and just live in survival mode? And never see what I have for you. And never see the plans that I have. And the majority of people, even in church, they get comfortable with survival. They get comfortable with just continuing to exist. Same life, same problem, same thing, same attitude, same marriage, same kid, same continue and continue and continue. But I pray that 2024 be a year of thriving and not surviving anymore. I'm really hoping that next year I might preach this sermon again in the very last Sunday of this year to see how we all did. But I pray that next year, 2025, we look back at 2024 and we're not going to say, Whoa, I'm glad I survived that one. I'm glad I survived 2024. I'm praying that we look back at 2024 and say, Pastor, you were right. 2024 was a year that I thrived. I grew spiritually. 2024 was a year I thrived. And the Lord used me and blessed me. And the Lord made me an influence where he planted me. I want 2024 to be a year where forward thrives. But it's your choice. Well, Pastor, how do you, how many want to choose to thrive right now? Show me your hands. All of us. I'm going to be honest. How many of you will say, hey, I'm a good survivor. I'm a survivor. I'm not going to, you know, I care. I'm, I'll, I'll do the destiny child thing. I'm just going to survive. All the younger people are like, what did he just do? <laughs> this was pre-Beyonce. This was like, that's a whole other message. I'm not Illuminati. I'm not doing that. So anyway, <laughs> I'm not doing that. How many of you want to thrive? You want to thrive? No, I, I'm going to, you don't, you sound like survivors right now. How many want to thrive? I want to thrive. You want to thrive? Well, then you better do these three things I'm going to tell you. Number one, ready? Say it with me. Number one, stay. Say it with me, stay. See, Isaac made plans. What was his plans? I'm out. I'm not dealing with this anymore. Oh, I know this land is a blessing. I know God's given it to me. I know... I don't deserve this land, but have you seen this land? This land is empty. This land is dry. This land is hopeless. I'm out. I'm going to Egypt where it's easier, where it's safer, and where everyone else is going. 
But here's what Isaiah 31.1 says. It says, Woe to those who go down where? For what? And do what? On what? And do what? God says, well, woe is not like, whoa, that's awesome. No, woe is a bad, bad thing. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. Rely on horses, that's physical things, who trust in chariots because they are many, and whose horsemen because they are strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. See what the devil does, church? When the gifts and the blessings of God go through a season of famine, the devil says, go to Egypt. But we all know Egypt represents bondage, ungodliness, paganism. And Isaac is tempted to go to Egypt. He says, just go to Egypt. Go to Egypt. It's easier there. Go to Egypt. Everyone else is going to Egypt. But God shows up and says, don't do what everyone else is doing. Don't rely on Egypt for help. It's like God saying, listen, stay where you're at and don't rely on that relationship. Don't rely on that job. Don't rely on that person. Don't rely on this car. Don't rely on this house. Don't rely on this and this and that to be happy and secure. Just trust me. And God stops his plans and says, I know you want out. Because let's be honest, when we're going through a season of famine where the blessings of God are dry, empty, and hopeless, there's something within ourselves that says, maybe this isn't from God. Maybe God wants me out. Maybe God is done with this and maybe I should leave. Maybe I should move on. But God stops him and says, stay. It may not be as easy it may not be as attractive. It may be a struggle. But every place that God tells you this is where you need to be is the best place you can be other than anywhere else that looks better. And God says stay. But today we live in this, this culture of if it's hard, I quit. If it's not easy, I'm out. So, Lord, if, if it's not a blessing right now and I'm going through a season, I'm going to walk away from this. I'm going to quit. We are quick to quit, quick to divorce, quick to give up and lose faith. But see, sometimes, and this is where the church sometimes has to slow down. We always say, you need the faith to go. You need the faith to step out. You need the faith to just leave and do it. Listen to me. Yes, but sometimes it takes greater faith to stay. To stay where it's not easy. To stay where you're struggling. To stay when you can easily sign a paper and end the marriage. You can easily just let the kids go and do whatever they want. I'm out. You can easily just quit. But church, if you don't stay, you won't see what God can do. And God tells them, stay. And he tells him to stay in a land that's called Gerar. And what's interesting is that the word Gerar in the Hebrew literally means to drag. So imagine that conversation. He's, he said, hey, honey, we're going to Egypt because the economy is great over there. The housing market is great. We, gotta, we can get a nice house right by the Nile River, and it's cheaper than this. There's, the inflation is lower there. Let's just go, and we, I got a good job lined up, and I'm going to work at the Bank of Egypt, and everything's great. Let's just go there. Okay, this is gone. This is empty. Nothing's going to happen here. And, and God says, wait, 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 wait. Stay in Gerar. Imagine Isaac saying, but this place is a drag. Because that's literally what the word Gerar means. To drag. But sometimes some of the things in life that are a drag 
can turn out to be a blessing. If you let God work. Stay. I think about our church. It's so easy to look out into Egypt and see other churches, other ministries, other this. But God has told me for 14 years, and I pray He continues to tell me, stay. Second, stay and sow. Sow. Sow means to plant. Look at verse 12 through 14. Then Isaac sowed in that land, the drag, and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. That's a hundred times more than what should have come out. What should have come out? It's nothing. But God said, I'm a God of hundredfolds. I go above and beyond more than you can imagine, more than you asked for. Isaac sowed in that land, the land that was a drag, the land that was in famine, the land that was a struggle, and he reaped the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord, what? Blessed him. The man began to what? Prosper and continuing. No, he continued what? Prospering. Until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, and great number of servants. And the Philistines envied him. Everyone was envied. How, how, why, why did he get blessed? Why did he? Because he was willing to sow during a time of famine. In other words, he got to work. A seed is work. You got to plan it. A seed is an investment. You are planting for future outcome. That's an investment. A seed is hard work. It's an investment. And it's time you got to put in. It looked crazy to do this. It looked foolish to do this. It looked like a waste of time to do this. Imagine everyone that was leaving to Egypt. As they're leaving, they're looking at Isaac, and he's tilling the ground, and he's planting the seeds, and it's a desert out there, and there's no rain, no water, no crops, nothing. It's a famine, and everyone's going to Egypt and saying, Isaac, what are you doing? Bro, you're wasting your time. Come to Egypt with us. Don't trust God. Let's just do it your way. Go by your plans. Don't listen to God. Just And Isaac was planting, and he goes, no, God, God told me to stay here, and I'm going to keep working at it, and I'm going to keep being obedient, and I'm going to keep putting in the time and the effort and the work, and you might criticize me. You might laugh at me. You might think I'm crazy or foolish because I'm not doing it your way, but I'm doing it God's way, and if I keep doing it and doing it and doing it right and doing it and doing it and doing it right, and I keep on and on and on, wouldn't you be shocked that God says, now I can bless you. Put in the work. It's called the law of sowing. The law of sowing, God says you reap what you sow. You plant an apple tree, an apple tree comes out. The last thing out of my mind is, wow, an apple tree. Ah, shocking. Because it's the law of reaping what you sow. You get out what you put in. And if you want a great output in your life, you better have a great input. You want a great an output in your marriage, what are you putting into it? You can't have a marriage that thrives if all you're putting into it is garbage, criticism, negativity. 
You can't have a life and a family that thrives if all you do is be that you're lazy and do nothing to work at. You can't raise children that thrive if you're not going to be a parent that takes the time to work. And there he was, just working. You see, a lot of us think that if we just stay, I just stay, things are going to be blessed and things are going to be better. No, staying is the first thing. Working and sowing is the second. Just because you stay in a place that you don't like doesn't mean God's going to change it and bless it. Until you put in the time. You put in the investment. You sow. I'm going to keep blessing you. I'm going to keep working hard. I'm going to keep loving this person. I'm going to keep serving them. I'm going to keep doing it right. I'm going to keep being obedient until God steps in and blesses me. I heard of a wife and a husband who went to a doctor's appointment to get a checkup. The wife was fine. But the husband, who happened to be hard of hearing, they sat down with the doctor, and the doctor said, well, I got bad news. The good news and bad news. The good news is you're, you're healthy, you're fine. He said, he said to the wife, and he says, but the bad news is, is that your husband, he has a serious infection. Serious infection, and I don't think he can make it if nothing changes past six months. The husband goes, what did he say? He says you're sick. Oh! And the doctor says, well, ma'am, I believe this infection is caused by heavy amounts of stress. So if you want your, your husband to survive, if you want him to live, you've got to get him away from stress. And she says, well, doctor, how do I do that? Well, in the morning when he wakes up, just make him his favorite breakfast. Make him coffee. And make sure the car is gas. Just gas up the car for him when he goes to work. And when he comes back work, he might be stressed. But when he comes home from work, you you, you got to just rub his feet. Make dinner. Give him what he wants. Be intimate with him. And, and if he wants, just, uh, just let him watch football on TV. Don't nag him. Don't complain. Don't do any of that. And on the weekend, let him go out to the lake with his friends and go fishing. Let him be there all day. When he comes home, don't ask him, where you been? Just cook the fish he catches. Let him do what he wants. And in six months, your husband's stress will be so gone, he'll be cured. Husband looks at his wife. What did he say? She says, he says you're a dead man. Because <laughs> a lot of us are like her. We want to change. We want things to get better. But we're not going to do all the work. We're not going to put in all the effort. And a lot of us, we want God to change. I mean, God, I, I, I don't, okay, I'll stay in this job that's a drag. I'm not going to quit. But if I want things to change at work, maybe, just maybe, work? Show up on time? Go above, beyond what you're required? And you might thrive? Put in the work in your marriage. Well, God, when you say, God, help my marriage, change my marriage, well, you're either asking God to miraculously just wake up to another wife, another husband, or you're just thinking God's just going to do it. But what if you say, God, this marriage is a drag. It's a desert. It's a famine. But what if as a spouse you put in the effort? to respect one another, to love one another, to spend time together, to communicate, to just be with each other, and you're sowing seeds. 
What if you would sow seeds in your children's lives? What would you sow if you sow seeds in your house? If you sow seeds in your spirit, you say, Lord, I want to thrive. I want to grow spiritually. But you don't want to read the Bible. You don't want to pray. You rarely come to church. you got to plant the seeds. you got to stay. you got to sow. you got to persevere. Number three, persevere. Psalm 126.5. Those who sow in tears. Those who sow. Let's say it together. Those who sow in what? It doesn't say those who sow in are happy. Why? Because sowing is a drag. It's not easy. God says you're going to cry doing the right thing. God says, don't become weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap a harvest. Why does God say this? Because he's saying sowing is painful and sometimes you want to give up. But those who sow in tears, this isn't fair, God. Why do I have to be the Christian? Why do I got to do the right thing? Why do I have to forgive? Why do I have to love them? Why do I have to? Why me, God? And God says, you do it, and you do it in tears. You do it when you're tired. You do it when you're unfair. It's not fair. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. First comes the tears. Then comes the joy. One of my mentors growing up who went to be with the Lord already told me when I planted this church, he said, David, the church is the seed. Your tears is what God uses to water it. And I was like young and dumb. And I was like, what? No, my church is going to be awesome. Boy, was that a drag. I had no idea. Sow in tears. Reap joy. You got to continue. As you stay, put in the work. As you put in the work, you got to keep doing it. And one day, in that land that was dry, empty, and hopeless, that he almost walked away from, out came a breakthrough. A breakthrough is when a seed breaks out of its shell and breaks through the ground. That's what a breakthrough is. And the breakthrough was a hundredfold. Just imagine, church, when Isaac looks outside and everyone else sees the crops and the hundredfold, everyone's thinking, how did Isaac do that? That's impossible. It was a famine. There's no water. It was dry. And the Bible says everyone was jealous. See, and people will envy the blessings of your life, but they don't want to do what you had to do to get the blessing in the first place. He was alone when he was reaping. Everyone else was in Egypt. He was alone when he was obeying God. Because if you want to see God do miracles, you have to be willing to be lonely sometimes. And he's putting in the work. Just imagine what Isaac said. I can't believe. I almost walked out on I almost gave up. I'm so glad I stayed. I'm so glad I sowed. And I'm so glad I persevered. Because he was off to a bad year. Famine. But God says that same year, 
make you thrive. Come on, give God praise today. Maybe you're off to a bad year, 2024. What if God says the year ain't over? Come on, the year's not over. And this year could be the year that God says enough survive. It's time to thrive. It's time to thrive. Stay. How many of you needed God to tell you that? Stay. Come on, stay. So, how many needed that one from God today? Come on, so. Keep sowing. Persevere. Be patient. I know you all needed that one. Persevere. What I was thinking, I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind. But last Wednesday, we were 14 years officially at the church. 14 years. 14 dragging years. 14 years. They started, they call it a church plant. 14 years ago, God said, start this church. 14 years felt like a family. 14 years of staying. I don't know about you, but I'm glad. I'm glad God said stay. I've been to other churches. I'll take this one any day. Can I get a witness? Is that true? Come on. Yeah. All right. Stay. And in 14 years, you know how many people that, Pastor, we're out of here. We don't like this. And I'm like, I don't care. In fact, I always tell people, don't waste my time if you're leaving me. Don't, don't sit down with tears. I said to David, I just want to, it's good for me. I'm like, go. Go, I got a harvest to tend to. I got people that want to stay here to tend to. 14 years of volunteers here. And I'll tell you, our volunteers, you ask them. Ask Maria, ask Gabby, ask my wife, ask anyone. How's how's it serving that forward? It's a drag. You want to learn how much of a drag it is? Join the children's ministry. I dare you. It's a drag. But if you stay and work, persevere, hundredfold, is on the way. Come on. Church, let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for baby Hunter being healthy. Thank you for Donnie coming today to hear this word. Thank you for Donnie's brother Dennis who sows into his brother taking care of him. I know that's not easy. Thank you for our church. 14 years through famine, though a drag, God, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Thank you, Father. And I pray, I pray for everyone here today to have the faith to stay where they want to quit, to stay in the dream they have and not give up, to stay in the job they hate not quit, to stay in the marriage they want to leave, not divorce, to stay, put in the work, persevere, and watch you work, Lord. Keep us away from Egypt, the temptation to go easier as we trust and obey in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, give God praise today. Amen.
Let's all stand to dismiss as we get ready for our tithe and our offering. It's time to sow. This is where, you know, I, I hope you didn't just say, oh, okay, after church, I'm going to put this message into practice. I'm going to start working at it. Some of you might say, you know, maybe I'll, I'll take my wife out to dinner. I'm going to sow some seeds. Maybe I'm going to sit down with my kids and play with them and sow some seeds. Maybe I'm, tomorrow morning I'm going to work on time. I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to work and sow seeds. But right now is the time to sow seeds. The tithe and the offering is a seed you give to the church that belongs to God. So as we prepare for our tithes and our offering today, I pray that this year be a year that you make giving a discipline. It's a drag. Amen? Be honest. It's a drag. It's scary. But I asked my wife yesterday, I said, man, we have extra bills, unexpected things. We made it through and still had money in the bank. And I said, how? And God whispered to me, you know how. I said, let's pray. As we sow our seeds today, in faith, this church has been here through the grace of God. It's been here for 14 years. But it's been 14 years of people also being obedient, saying, Lord, here's my 10%. This ain't free. This ain't cheap. 2024, let it be a year of sowing. You sow into your marriage, your life, your family. You sow into the life you want with God. You sow to this church. You sow to this church. If you get offended, you don't have to stay here. But for those that want to be a part of the church that believe for a harvest this year, be the one that says, like, I'm glad I stayed. I'm glad I sowed. I'm glad I saw God do a Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this word. The faith to stay to sow in family, to persevere, to keep sowing seeds. When it's hard, difficult, when we're alone, people laugh at us, think we're crazy when we look foolish. Keep us in the faith. Keep us sowing. For we believe that you are a hundredfold God. You go beyond what we expect. Bless our lives as we sow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.